0: Welcome to the Sunset Session, featured on WCBN, Razzle's Cannabis Business Network. I am Dave Belsky, CEO and founder of Flower Hire, your host. Today we have a very special guest, Kimberly Dillon, a pioneer in the wellness category and current CEO and founder of Frigg, a brand designed to create products to help alleviate what stress does to your hair and skin, makes it really naughty. Thank you, Kimberly. Thanks for joining Hi, us.
1: Hi. Thank you for having me. Oh,
0: thank you for joining me. Um, tell me about Frigg. What What yeah, is Frig?
1: Yeah. So Frig, which just launched um, about a month ago now, so this is actually our anniversary date, is a new CBD hair and skin product. So basically, we focus on the impacts of stress and how stress is impacting your hair and your skin. And I can go into the science of it, but um, a lot of people think. Oh, I have to be stressed all of the time to be considered stress little moments of stress like when you're scrolling Instagram or like you're having a moment at work. All of that builds up in your body and it releases like stress hormones. It's been proven that those stress hormones impact the hormones that make hair, skin and nails. It's kind of like COVID where your beauty, your skin is not an essential worker. Your body needs to focus on things that are more important. Yeah,
0: organs, like heart, <laughs> like, yeah, lungs, like and Kimberly's brains. stressed.
1: Kimberly's mad. Yeah. Kimberly, and so the body is focused on that, and is not focused on like grow Kimberly's hair, grow Kimberly's nails. And so what the line is, which is a mixture of inner and outer beauty products, is really let's address the anxiety and the calm that she's having internally. And then let's boost all the things that are being depleted in her body when she does have those stressful burnout moments. And so those things are like collagen, which I'm sure you know. Yes. It's like for skin, hyaluronic acid, biotin. All those things go down when we're stressed out.
0: So and, it's an and inner, based on outer what's system. happening in the world right now, yeah. I mean, who is not stressed out? So I, there's obviously a uh, a great market for that. Um, and I, I want to rewind back here because you're you you you're now in the hemp derived category but you were in the you were making you know you're running marketing for the largest wellness brand in california pop and barkley for several years Mm -hmm. and um obviously had a career way different than cannabis before um so talk to me through the kimberly Dillon story like professional career yeah and then like and that aha moment when you're like maybe there's something to this cannabis plant
1: Yeah, you know, I'll be honest, D.A.R.E. always worked for me. And this is embarrassing to say, because I'm a woman and black, but my seventh grade teacher was this white guy cop who was so hot and he taught our D.A.R.E. program. And I was like, I will Whatever never do said. drugs. Whatever you say. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and so, like, I just had kind of like a different experience. Like, and he gave us candy. I was like, sold. <laughs> um, and like, even in college, like, it never came up. I bet I dated a bunch of guys who I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I grew up a conservative Christian and wasn't. Um, it just wasn't on my radar, and it wasn't.
0: It wasn't exposed to you. It Wasn't, wasn't
1: exposed you know. to me. My family doesn't drink. I've never heard my dad cuss. Like it's very straight and narrow. And I had, you know, a professional, dream kid, like black middle class dream, where you know I had two degrees in undergrad, went to bus- the top ten business school, yeah. worked at the best companies, was an executive, like in other in Israel, like the resume was
0: (laughs) popping popping um fortune 50 ceo (laughs) in the making
1: (laughs) but i mean i had crippling anxiety like i i just was so tightly wound up just so just like not able to express myself and be in touch with myself that when cannabis came my way and this is actually this is how bad it was i knew a girl in san francisco who told me that her Boyfriend was a grower, which I assume was a farmer, and they had jars of weed all over their house that I thought was potpourri. I had no idea what weed even looked like. (laughs) So it was here I was, I was in Clorox of all things, working
0: on Clorox. People might not know (laughs) Clorox is a fucking empire. Clorox owns Burt's bees, like so much.
1: And I was working, um, the program I was working on with this group called the Zac Brown Band. Yeah. Um, and I was running country music programs. I mean, come on, it was bizarre. <laughs> so I was the country music liaison <laughs> at Clorox, working with like Keith Urban. And uh, my mom was going on like a tour with her church group and Foley, what's now Folium Biosciences was doing, I mean, someone was doing a tour of like, what is it called, NIMBY? Like yeah. how to build in my neighborhood. My mom was sold. She was like, man, get me a gummy. Even so she could buy it herself, she wanted me to do it in California. Uh, and she was like, you should try weed. And I was like, what? And yeah. then I discovered, you know, when you, you knew a, like learn a new word, as soon as I was like, okay, I'm gonna try weed, then I turned to my <laughs> friend who was the grower the entire time, I was like, we have so much weed. <laughs> for you to try. And so like instantly. You were in the right place
0: (laughs) on the earth, in the Bay Area of California. All my friends came
1: out of the woodwork and were like helping me on this journey. And it was like, I am type A. So I'm like, I'm taking notes. How much did this brownie work? How much did this work? And uh, I felt kind of like, the first year, I bought through my friends. The second year, I got the medical card and went to the dispensary, and I thought the whole thing. Like, I got my card down the street from Nefertiti on, on Venice? Brown. On Venice?
0: Yes. Oh, I think I went the same guy.
1: Someone was wearing a green suit and spinning a sign. Yep.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: This was, like, 2014. Remember
0: that one One time they actually had, like, a medical dispensary right there on <laughs> yeah. the beach? So everyone was, yeah. That's
1: where I probably bought my first, like, my first because it's still on the market. I can't remember, but they little Tetra tabs, like Tetra Labs, something like that, was the first thing I bought. Mm. And then I, I went there three times. I felt kind of like a criminal. And then the fourth time, my mom was like, oh, I've heard about like, there's this lotion. You should buy me some lotion. <laughs> so then I bought her, something was in a honeybee jar that still exists. I don't what know. is her name? Honey Pot. Oh. A honey Pot. And then I bought a Papa and Barkley. And then I bought one other brand and mailed it to my mom. My mom loved Honey Pot and Papa and Barkley. I wrote both of them letters. I'm like, I'm going to get a job in this space, and I'm going to like totally market well, it to myself.
0: Well, I mean, just just, just talk <laughs> about like flip, fl- flipping flipping one eighty though. You know yeah. what I mean? But but you saw the space that only was marketing to stoners you know, and all male, and you knew of a huge category of the population that could see the same benefit, that probably thought the same way, that was like, I'm not a stoner. Yeah. Right? And, and, and Pop and Barkley responded. Yeah. And... Um,
1: yeah, and then two weeks later, I had to plan the High Times Cup in San Bernardino. <laughs> and then there was some booth, and we were right next to another booth. I don't know who it was. I'm not gonna say the brand name. But the girls were wearing these pasties and they had like the spinner tassels and then mm. we are manning the booth and everything is melting. People are like, what's this lotion? And I'm like, oh, this regular way of marketing, which is mm, what everyone's yeah. like, cups and dispensaries and all that. And like, I have to go get our consumer. Yeah. And so then we shifted everything to like, you, and it seems so common now, but like. But well, was it a time, it what, wasn't. what are
0: we talking, 2016, 2017? 2016, yeah. and you're
1: calling yoga studios no is, and yeah. massage therapists and all, and everyone's saying no. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, it was like it was a hard sell.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so it's insane to see, like, all of this now, just, like, a few years later, because yeah. we got more no's than yeses, and we had the money. And so, you know, I joined that company. We are making products in a crock pot, and... Um, and then it started growing from like $1,000 to 10 to a million to 2 million. Like so, it just progressed. So
0: um, the biggest brand in the wellness category during the Prop 215 days, for sure. Mm-hmm. And then as you're approaching the rec market in California after just going from Clorox to like the cash business yeah. of a medical wellness cannabis company, mm-hmm. I mean, crazy. Yeah. Was there anything in your life before that like, prepared you to deal with like that?
1: First off, no one even used email for like the first seven months. Like <laughs> everyone was using walking no, talkies. They're listening to my email.
0: <laughs> right there.
1: Um, We were paying, like you needed to pay someone, they would like go in the backyard and there'd be a mason jar with 50 grand in it. Like none of it was like, yeah. like it blew my mind. And my, because I do have an anthropology degree, like I mentioned earlier, i'm very fascinated by people, so I immersed myself because i 'm like i 'm a marketer when I worked on I mean on barbecue sauce, then I was in country music, even though I would argue country music and barbecue sauce are not like the purest alignment. Mm. <laughs> I was always like, I mean black people do eat barbecue sauce yeah. so why are we doing this
0: program yeah
1: but anyway <laughs>
0: you're forgetting about some large amount We're of people a
1: whole segment that I would argue probably invented this, but i was like i need because i'm new to this i need to immerse myself with people who know more than me and i think that was one of the key differences when i talked to my peers is like a i know for a fact one of the founders didn't want to hire me because they didn't think i could fit in so i made a point and this is like a 250 pound dude when there was a blunt a dab i just matched him like I was so high <laughs> all the time. Like, I would hide in the bathroom sometimes. Like oh. well, That
0: sounds like a cannabis <laughs> meeting in 2016, though. It was, it, it, that, I think that's a typical... Not anymore. Not anymore. It, not a anymore. Lot of, it's changed. It's changed. <laughs> not anymore it, you know, at no the sampling. time.
1: But, like, there would be times <laughs> where, like, I literally was on the floor of the bathroom. In, and I worked with men, so the floor was disgusting. And I was like, oh, my God, it's spinning. And I I mean, I, pri- I yeah. kept... I just dabbed dabbed and dabbed like with them all oh the time I, to like blend in. I can't, I can't, even, I can't even do that. I, <laughs> I can't went hear, to I the farms, I trimmed, I went on ride-alongs, awesome. I went with the activists, I went, anyone who needed someone to talk and get a sample and talk about CBD, whether it was four people, five people, San Bernardino, Eureka, I drove there. <laughs> well,
0: I, well, I love that hands-on approach, I think, you know, I don't want to typecast you as a marketer because you're so much more than that, but like marketing has been a tough place for companies to hire into this space, right? Because very few will actually get out of their growth hacking audience building world and actually go and see the fucking farm and like understand the different parts of the business and and be able to relate to those folks. So you went very kind of hands-on and this was obviously the earlier days. Everything was startup. Everyone was doing a little bit of everything. Yeah, totally. Right? Um, as, all of a sudden, a million dollars a month, here comes yeah. the, the rec market. What quickly changed in California for brands that were able to transition into the rec market? Like, you just needed a ton of cash to be able to do it successfully? Like what? You
1: know, I, you needed cash, but I also think you just needed project management like we were on it like we had time like we worked back like if it's july 2017 we needed to order a packaging in february and i mean i was intent like there is a part of my personality that is very intense (laughs) yeah So we were sticking to timelines and even though like my piece was packaging packaging dictates a lot of other timelines so i mean when you're (laughs)
0: launching new products and brands and it's it's a detail that's so important but is set so many launch dates back. Mm-hmm. I need my packaging, my my product needs a clear testing. It might take this long. Yeah. You know, and and you have like so many salespeople in this industry get so that have been around for the several years been so frustrated just in terms of like, hey, we got this product coming, uh, not yet and then ne- not yet turns into months. But to actually hit deadlines. Yeah. Is is and you, to be you always, functional yeah. because it
1: would be like I remember we were launching a wellness dab line, like extract line. It was like, we need refrigerators. Well, like, I'm not doing a marketing plan unless I know where the refrigeration's happening. Wellness dab, like, 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 sequencing.
0: CBD dabs or, or like, cannabis. uh, Oh, okay. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. Wellness, wellness, okay. Oh,
1: yeah, that's the marketing of me. Uh, Wellness Uh, dabs,
0: which is possible. uh, I mean, I think it's amazing. I mean, it is possible. It's so much more inviting than if you
1: have a low temperature uh, vanilla. You want some butter? uh, A little dab. Oh, we, what, had what, I, we had well, sommeliers. We had sommeliers write bar. the descriptions. Oh. They were beautiful. It'd be like notes of oh. chocolate and oh, Pop, coffee. Yeah,
0: Puppet Market always had the, the best product descriptions, yeah. like copy wise. Mm-hmm.
1: Sommeliers wrote them, and then we presented them in wine flights, dab flights. Okay. Because it, someone comes to me and says, Kimberly, you got to market extracts or concentrates. I remember telling my team, which also were like newbies, and I was like, I guess we're dabbing. <laughs> they're like, what? And all of us got Puffco's and it was literally a project. And we'd be like, okay, well, let's all now dab <laughs> and like learn how to clean. And like, how are we gonna take a photograph? Cause I don't want to photograph things that are not the natural equipment for dabbing and I need to make it look mm. pretty. So it was like this whole process. <laughs>
0: Well, well, I mean, you have to be connected to the products that you're building as as a as a brand creator and as a strategist. So, yeah, what um, 100, you know, and, and and that's authentic. Yeah, right. And, and a lot of brands that aren't authentic don't make it successfully in this industry. I don't say
1: things I don't believe in.
0: Um, I mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, before before we move on to some other really important things, so brands in California. Mm-hmm. Can you survive in, in, in the rec days? Can you be profitable? Is it a sustainable business? Like-
1: I think that you can, but it becomes a sort of a cash flow issue and really managing your P&L like n- nothing else. But like because you can't write things off until we change that, the math equation just seems hard just like if you're looking at it like, You know, if you did a business analysis, it'd be like, this is perhaps not the best business (laughs) to be in just from a numbers perspective. So, I do think a number of states look more attractive at this moment.
0: Um, I'm definitely seeing, like, I think as a byproduct of that, investment dollars that are geared towards this industry are heading to other states over here any fucking day of the week. I mean, and and, you know, 75% of our work right now is outside the state of California. Although obviously we're here and we want, we, it's going to succeed here, it's just—it's it's, just, it's just more. It's going to take years, time yeah. and muscle, and it's so yeah. sad
1: because look how a mate. Like this is where cannabis culture is. The most. It is yeah. not from Boston, Massachusetts, or Chicago. It is California, and I'll be honest—not even this California, Northern California. Northern California,
0: absolutely.
1: So, you know, I think it's such a shame what we're doing in this state and our state just needs to be more friendly for all the tax dollars they get from us. It is a shame that like, a lot of people don't really have access. When you look at the map, like these dispensaries are very coastal. Yeah. Delivery is a challenge. Like on the news, if you don't live here, you'd be like, everyone has access to weed in California. And it's like, man, even still like,
0: 35%? 35%?
1: It's hard for me to find, you know, what yeah. I'm looking for. Do I want to go to Long Beach to pick up this one? No. <laughs> no.
0: I've, I've had good experience with delivery, but I know that there's lots of cannabis deserts in this state, and it's yes. terrible. Um, so you and I cannot chat right now, which is, what is it, August 20th, 2020, without talking about the war on drugs. Yeah. Right? And, and obviously the, the hope for the cannabis industry is that it does bring a whole generation of people out of, Poverty and give opportunity, right? And and make up for you know um, one of the biggest examples of systemic racism, which is imprisoning black and brown people for crimes that white people would get off for, yeah. right? And and so two different angles to that: California cannabis industry, you know, um, obviously social social equity licenses. That you know, there's there's attempts but nothing is i think has really worked yet like how can we make it a more diverse industry in the legal market right yeah.
1: you know it's two things cuz i'll be super honest like I actually don't know that much about social equity, so I think diversity and inclusion and social equity are like related, but not the same thing, right? Because race had nothing to do with social equity. Like it did in the sense of like it was primarily income driven, if you had a felony driven, and if you lived in a income that was impacted by the war on drugs. That does not, I remember like when it rolled out, like people were like, yo, Kimberly, and I'm like, nah, <laughs> I can't do it for you. I'm sorry. So I think like the reality of it is, is that I want. I wonder if we've made a program that allows people to be successful, truthfully, because they're going into the same math equation that everyone else is going into, probably less capitalized, perhaps even with like less skills, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also wonder if it's like a sharecropping kind of vibe, because there's too many stories of people who are like, "I had a license, and this group needed this license, and then like I'm no longer involved, and now that like there's yeah. too much."
0: It's 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 weird. Well,
1: it's it's bizarre. So, so I don't know yeah. too much about it because I haven't been involved in it. But it does seem like it's more of a sharecropping kind of experience. Um, instead of an empowering experience, I have yet <laughs> to meet a social equity license that had a business that, like, I could touch.
0: <laughs> I, yeah, I like the people's dispensary model, the community-owned dispensary and retail location. Yeah, Christina, yeah. Yeah, it's very powerful, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's a great model to adopt at scale. I think as it relates to diversity and inclusion, the companies in this industry, I think they do put a premium on on. On a diverse workforce as part of their cultural DNA, maybe that's because of the plant, maybe it's because of the times. But at the same time, it's the founder class is is the same class because investors are used to investing in people that they know, that they already understand each other's language. And, yeah, there's and, a
1: lot of bias, and I think it's interesting because. The next level of inclusion and diversity is at what level? Like it's great if you have a lot of retail employees that are diverse, but if you don't have women and people of color on your board, if you don't have them on your investor group, if you don't have them in the exec room, like then it's performative. Like it's not hard to, well, I mean, it is hard to get like an hourly job. But when we're talking about like moving in corporate, we are talking about the leaders in corporate and you don't see that. Like, you just do not see that on any dimension of anything related to diversity, whether that's disabilities, whether that's your sexuality, whether that's your, like, there is, there are, the stereotypes are real in our industry.
0: Well, there's, um- I mean, as a as a service provider that focuses on talent, you mm-hmm. know, um, you know, I'm happy to say we've placed as many women and people of color as white males in strategic roles in this industry. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I think that it's um, optics are everything, and and you have to believe, you have to follow through with what you're saying your cultural values are by action and, yeah. and hiring the right people. I think some of the some of the larger like pubco corporate weed operators, like your Crescos of the world, are are doing some you know things that are more in line with that, you know, and, yeah. and really do, making some headway, but there's um, there's still a lot of room I think for this industry to continue to evolve in that way. And I don't know how to do the the social equity license better, but the community-owned model seems to seems to be make a lot of sense. You still yeah. need a lot of capital to open that thing even if you if you need a license, and that's the the hardest, hardest thing, you know? That is the
1: hardest thing. And I also want to just add this dimension of just culture, not in the workplace, just cannabis culture. Like, it is, it's shocking to me that, like, it seems very segregated, or it doesn't seem like we celebrate a diverse culture when we talk about cannabis in some ways, in the sense of it's challenging to think, what are my favorite black-owned brands? <laughs> what are my, like, it's challenging when we know that part of the reason why cannabis was popularized was because of rap and hip hop culture. (laughs) And yet you, and we're in LA with tons of entertainers and we still don't even really know their brands. And so somehow it's not translating into the community and the culture and the ethos, right? Even when I'm working in CBD and hemp now, I feel like a huge responsibility to say to this woman like, yeah, you know, Go get that glow but also the CBD is technically weed so you're in cannabis also the war on drugs <laughs> yeah. like it's 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 making sure we don't detach ourselves from this plant and also to think about the history of it because if we really break down the war on drugs which is always great to start with Nixon etc but it really a lot of it happened in jazz and these jazz singers and Mexican farmers were working in the 20s, and this guy, what was his name, Ann Slinger? Know, comes the, after the, them, the devil. and it's just like, okay, we're not gonna call it cannabis, we're gonna call it marijuana, so it sounds Mexican, so people will freak out, and we're gonna go after these black jazz singers, because my God, we do not want
0: That's too fun. the races too fun. to
1: intermix, because man, they why, might why have like jazz brown babies. babies. <laughs> like, And he yeah. wrote this in, His book, like we don't even have to argue, like was it racist? The dude wrote a memoir (laughs) and said like, yes, I am racist and proud of it. Like it's written from his own words. And so when you have that origin, what's interesting to me is we all paid a price. Like we all paid a price because of this racist history. Because if we didn't have this racist history that dictated whether or not we could have cannabis, man, maybe we would have less epilepsy. Maybe we would have less plastic. Maybe we would have different jobs for different people. Maybe we would have more science and wouldn't have to wait 70 years to discover this plant. So in in a way, it's a beautiful illustration of how racism impacts all of us (laughs) because of these policies as a society now we're behind and we have to convince people, oh, a plant can do this for you, when we already knew that. Like, none of this is new.
0: No, it's just, it's <laughs> just. so
1: that's what's shocking to me.
0: Uh, well, you, but Nixon's, you're worth mentioning, and Nancy Reagan did a number. I mean, she did, She did a lot of people trusted Nancy I Reagan. I was a
1: dare, I was a dare yeah, student. Like, dare it worked it. on me. Uh,
0: uh, um, <laughs> well, what about, um, you know, as it relates to Frigg and, and making, you know, a. CBD, hemp derived wellness category, and getting in the hands of, you know people and mothers and working female professionals. It's been
1: kind of funny because like, we we really push it in lots of different ways. Like one, I w- we're working with a woman hemp farm. So I really wanted to make sure along the supply chain, it's very diverse. Some of the vendors we picked were um, impacted by the war on drugs. And so they have started up like fulfillment and packing. So all across the value chain, we, f- we were intentional with who we worked with. And then, you know, on the marketing, it is very inclusive and I would say like there are a lot of like beautiful black skin models on our products. That's not for black people and I've had several women right back they get the brochure which has this gorgeous black woman on it, and they're like how do I use a hair oil and I'm like the same like okay let's <laughs> let's walk through this and it's 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 a conversation opener right in that front of like let's talk about what it how you feel getting a product that doesn't have someone that looks like you on that postcard and what that means and that that product can work for you. And then on the flip side, part of the reason why I picked some of the products was to have a conversation with my community. Because I would say I've had a pretty successful career in cannabis, but I kept it from my family for many years and even kind of like soften it because it wasn't going to receive the same kudos that my peers were going to get. You know for them they're like why did you raise your perfect career and your mba on cannabis that had the war on drugs like why why turn that industry around why make these people wealthy and i have to say like a cannabis changed my life like it was a gateway for plants and spirituality and literally the core of my personality and i
0: which is fantastic (laughs) by the way
1: thank you um, and so like it's, it means so much to me. And so that's why I kept doing it. And, and so then I thought, how do I convince <laughs> you know, communities that are dealing with A, the shame of cannabis, but also like a lot of reasons why people come to cannabis if we keep it 100, is they're depressed, or there's anxiety, or well, there's something or wrong with your wellness. Yeah. And here's a community that has those issues and who knows what they're taking When there's a plant option. And so I was like, well, if you're not gonna take a CBD tincture, because that's, woo, I bet you'll get a hair oil. I'll bet you want that skin to be popping. Like, let's talk about it through a beauty context, and then I'll trade you up and be like, okay, well, now take a gummy. Oh, actually, because my vision, I'm cannabinoid agnostic. Like, I would love to trade this woman up to, you know, glow to like, why don't we try some THC? Right. and graduate her through the process and be a guide and well, so it was intentional why we started in beauty and on the hemp side
0: well and I know that Frigg is is part of the uh, accelerator program for uh, for Sephora and Ulta and Ulta. Mm-hmm. And you launched your first several products and sold out a couple of them immediately um, so f- you know fantastic work with all Thank that you, you, you want to talk to me about like the interview you had earlier today where you were like that product you're putting in your hair keep this in mind it's the same plant yeah
1: because I think so you know we're doing a lot of interviews to raise brand awareness and so talking to a major publication and most of the questions are the same like what does CBD do for you and I think it was like how does CBD give you like a glow um and I was just like and also like I you know enjoyed some of the plant right before. And so I'm writing like, oh, you know, cellular turnover, antioxidants, whatever. And then I write, and let's not forget the war on drugs. (laughs) Like, if you are putting this on your cheekbone, there's someone still in prison for this exact same plant. And everything I always say is like, cannabis and hemp is like a red apple and a green apple, both apples. I don't care, like when you call it CBD, know that you have taken cannabis yeah welcome.
0: welcome. and and I mean that does um, I mean you're seeing it now show up everywhere so I think there people need to recognize and understand that and I do I do like that message because you know beverages, beauty, cosmetics you know it's gonna be, Fortune 50 CPG will have oh, soon. Sure. I'm surprised it hasn't happened. Yet. I know Ocean Spray is about to launch something if they can. Yeah. but sure. it's coming real really quick and you got to keep that in mind. It is the same plant that people are still going to jail for.
1: And I mean, it is the biggest social justice movement. All those people would have a felony off their record. And guess what? They would go and be able to get jobs and support their families. Those families would have less domestic violence. Those families would have better health care. It would benefit society. Farmers would have more product to sell. Hey, we need a. It's a brand new industry. In our lifetime, when does that happen? We've had the internet. We had, I don't know, I'm making shit up now, light. When did life, I don't know when things were invented, but like it's a brand new industry that's going to change the world.
0: <laughs> it, it 100%, 100%. Mm-hmm. The, the nothing in our lifetime has had the ability to elevate the human condition collectively more than the legal cannabis mu- movement. And we got to continue to push for justice yeah. and and for just normal normalization and making sure people know what they can do with this plant. So, yeah. Kimberly, I appreciate you coming today. It was glorious. Yes. Let's, let's do a little social distance, those. And...
1: Thank you.